0: Welcome to the Taking the Lead podcast, where we empower people to be unstoppable. I'm Christina Hapner with my co-hosts Leslie Haskins and Timothy Cunio, and we have so much going on coming up with in this new year at Leader Dog, and we have a new event this year. Um, it's local to Rochester, so you have to be you know local to the Metro Detroit area or travel. But we're doing this Frozen Paw 5K. And it's presented by um, our Trico, who's one of our corporate sponsors. And I have never been to this, the Fire and Ice Festival in Rochester. It's so fun. Rochester. Yeah, yeah, they do a great job. Yeah. So it's during that and we're running the 5K. I guess it used to be a different 5K that used to do it. It disbanded and we took it over, which is super cool. Um, and some of my friends that are runners, I'm running it. But some of my friends that are runners were saying like they used to run it every year. Oh, really? Yeah, I didn't know
1: that many people loved to run in January. I certainly don't, um, but I'm excited about it for you to be running.
2: (laughs) Makes me want to get a blanket and just sit on my couch. Yeah,
1: maybe I'll meet Christina. I think there's like a pancake breakfast or something afterwards. I'll be there
0: for the pancakes. Yeah, so it's Sunday, January 22nd. Um, It's the race starts at 9 a.m. And then it's you start at like the Rochester Fire Department. So in Rochester, Michigan. That'll be fun. Hopefully it's not frigid cold, but that will be a really fun event. Well, that 5K I ran in November was under 20 degrees, so I think I can do this one.
2: What do you wear? What do you wear when it's that cold and you're running?
0: So this is what I wore. I'm not like a legit runner or anything, but I wore fleece, like tights, and then my like running leggings, and then I wore three shirts. So I wore an under armor, a long sleeve running shirt, and then a runner's winter jacket that I got I mean I was trying to be legit and then I had gloves but I ended up having to take my gloves off like halfway because you get so sweaty yes, well okay. I mean layers I, do. I feel like would be a good idea. <laughs> I sweat a lot so you know just in case anybody was wondering I okay do. dress in layers for that one <laughs>
1: yeah. okay so if you're not a runner Which I am not. I'll be meeting you at the next event, which is the Dinner in the Dark event, which is much more my speed. Uh, We're having Dinner in the Dark on March 10th. It's a really fun event that we have in Detroit at the uh, MGM and uh basically people come and we kind of talk about leader dog but also they get to experience a little bit of what it l- might be like to be blind or visually impaired so everybody gets a blindfold and they put it on we talk about how to you know organize your plate where the food is we have clients share their story and experience honestly it's a really fun night and everybody really does participate so they get to know a little bit what it's like to have a meal with friends or family or whoever is at their table um, under blindfold. So we do some other fun things, uh, some cane experience. There's a wine pole, There's just a lot of really fun, fun stuff. So I am looking forward to that as well. Well, you'll be running in January. I'll meet you
0: at Pancakes and then we'll go have dinner, yes. dinner in the dark. <laughs> I'm excited for dinner in the dark because last year when I was a part of the team, it was all virtual. So I'm excited that it's in person this year. Um, and that, I can actually see everybody and experience the event in full, which is cool. Absolutely. We're going to have a great time. If
1: anybody's interested in learning more about those, you can always check out uh, leaderdog.org to get tickets and to sign up for the Frozen Paw 5K. All of that good stuff, of course, is readily and always available. Um, but today we are super excited because our guest is not only a Leaderdog team member, but she also volunteers for us as a puppy raiser and is raising a very special puppy for us right now.
0: Yes, Laura Fisher is a puppy development coordinator who has been with Leader Dog since 2013. Prior to that, she managed a standard bred racehorse breeding farm. She has a Bachelor of Science in Animal Science from Michigan State University and is raising her 11th
2: future Leader Dog. Laura, welcome to the podcast. So, the first question I got for you is what brought
0: you to Leader Dog?
2: Hi. So what brought me to LeaderDog is that I donated a dog to LeaderDog. He went on to graduate, and I got my update magazine in the mail, and he was featured in the update magazine. And I wanted to have that same feeling that I got from opening that magazine and, and feeling so good about what had happened and the impact that he made on the client's life. But I wanted to have that feeling every single day. So I decided to start searching for jobs available at Leader Dog. And it took about five years. And um, then I found an opening that seemed really perfect. I applied and here I am.
0: That is amazing. You, that story of just donating a dog, sometimes, you know, that happens. People donate or they volunteer, but they never, you know, Look for job openings in five years.
2: Yeah, it took a while. I think that um, there's been a lot of changes in the puppy development department, so to my favor. Yes. yes. <laughs> um, <laughs> but what happened was I just I, I just felt so good. It was such a great experience for me, and I had such a wonderful time with just dealing with the people at Leader Dog that I, I needed to feel that more often in my life. I think that's such a great point, and
1: it's so funny how people come to leader dog and find leader dog. Everybody's got a unique story. Uh, One of my favorites actually too is a team member who did an internship like in our human resources department and kind of fell in love with the organization but found out human resources not for him, and then still went on to be a part of our organization elsewhere. So people, they do, they get that feeling of helping others and being a part of a bigger mission and wanting to join full time. So that's incredible. So now, how long have you been with us since then? So I've
2: been with LeaderDog since 2013, so almost 10 years. Oh um, It'll be 10 years in April. And um, it feels great. It feels great to go to work every day. So I still have that feeling every day.
0: That's amazing. So I'm I'm sure people are wondering what does a puppy counselor do?
2: So I'm a puppy development coordinator. Oh, coordinator, coordinator. I'm sorry. And I think that when I say that to people, when I say um, that. My, what, what is your job? What do, you, what do you do? What do you do? Um, I kind of monopolize that conversation a little bit because everybody wants to know what that is. So what I do for Leader Dog is that I facilitate the puppy raisers that we have. I facilitate them filling out applications, getting with our organization, and then I get them a puppy. And then through that entire year that they raise the puppy, our department supports them and we give them training and extra support that they need to fulfill that part of our mission and raising the puppies for people who are blind or visually impaired. So um, I work mostly with volunteers and So when people say puppy development coordinator, they think I play with puppies all day, (laughs) 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 which is not really true. I spend a lot of time with people, but I do um, make relationships with them, with their dogs, and we follow them through the training process. And once they get into training at a leader dog, we, we still continue to communicate with the puppy raisers, and we hope that they come back to us again. So it's something that we want to keep our raisers with us. Um, and have them raise more puppies and more puppies and more puppies.
1: What a critical role. I mean, truly, right? We couldn't do what we do without our puppy raisers and to be the one supporting them on their endeavor. And it can be really stressful at times, especially for a new puppy raiser. It can be very intimidating. And I know I certainly want to talk about the thing that everybody says, I could never do, I can never do, I could never give the dog back. I just (laughs) couldn't do it. How do you have those conversations with puppy raisers?
2: So we kind of start out, and I I tell everybody about my own experience. So I, I don't think I could give as much information to a puppy raiser that I can without doing it myself. So that's why we continue to raise puppies for Leader Dog. But that it really starts out as any other project, right? Like you have to think about it. And when you join a soccer team, you go to practice, and you practice, and you go to games, and you have that season. And this is kind of like our season. And so you have to kind of think of it like that. Like I am giving this dog up, but it's not, I'm doing this project, not, not for me, but for someone else. It's that life of service to other people. And I could never, ever love even Forrest. I, and I love Forrest a lot, by the way, Um, (laughs) Mm -hmm. I can never love Forrest as much as someone else needs him for their independence and mobility that they don't have that I take for granted. So really, it's not about giving the puppy up. It's what you're giving for someone else. And when you have that perspective and you keep that in the back of your mind, that this puppy doesn't belong to me, he belongs to Leader Dog for this greater purpose... It really makes makes a difference. Of course, your pet—you never want to give up your pet. Um, so when you think about that's the only experience people have to draw from, like, oh, I could never give up my dog. But when you think about it, this is really a a, a project and a and a service to someone else in a much a, a much higher way and a higher level. So Laura, if you're looking for uh, somebody to be a puppy raiser, what are the, some of the attributes you need to have to be a puppy raiser for Leader dogs? that is a really great question. We really, we're going to give you the skill level that you need to be a puppy raiser. You just really need to want to enhance the life of someone else. And you really just need to have that drive to want to do the project and, and be committed to this dog for 12 months of its life. And once you, once you do that, we give you the skills, Tim. So we're willing to to train you in the training that you're going to need. If you think, well, I've never owned a dog. We have puppy raisers who have never had a dog in their entire life. And they take on this project and they decide that they can commit to us and we commit back to them and, and help them do it. That is amazing. And Laura, I love the way you said, you know, you
0: answered that question of how can you give them up? I feel like we don't hear that type of answer that often. You know, we just kind of hear that question a lot. So I love the way you said that. Um, And I know you had mentioned Forrest. So for those who are listening who don't know
2: who Forest is, can you tell us
0: a little bit about
2: Forest? So Forrest is being raised in part with a grant from the Gary Sinise Foundation. So the Gary Sinise Foundation gave leader dogs $350,000 to name puppies and have them kind of be sponsored by them. And so um, if you don't know about Gary Sinise Foundation, the Gary Sinise Foundation, I, I get to tell everybody this, and and I think that even the foundation does this sometimes, too, where um, Gary Sinise, you know, Lieutenant Dan from Forrest Gump. Yes. So <laughs> when I tell people about the Gary Sinise Foundation and that forest is is part of their mission as well. I get to say the Gary Sinise Foundation, Lieutenant Dan. And then everybody goes, oh, yes, yes, yes. So he, the Gary Sinise Foundation, does amazing work with veterans and different things that they do to help and support veteran families, first responder families, and veterans themselves. And so Forrest gets to be part of that. He gets to go out in public and 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 speak to that mission as well. My husband is an Army veteran, so it really just makes sense for us to to take on a different role. Yeah, and, you know, at Leader Dog,
0: we're so thankful to have them as a sponsor, and we've been able to serve more veterans through their sponsorship, and it's been amazing to see. We've talked to a couple of veterans on our podcast as well, and, um, you know, the service they give is Absolutely amazing, and so you have been doing something fun with Force, because um, so, we give updates to the Gary Sinise Foundation on you know the puppies they're raising, and Force is the first one um, in the first batch of the seven puppies that they'll get. But Laura, you and Force are doing something fun. If you can tell us a little bit about that.
2: Sure, Forrest and I, and and members of my family. So I take my uh, my family with us as well. But every time we go through a town or we look at towns in our own community, what we do is we go visit a Veterans Memorial that's there. And every pretty much every town or every city or every little municipality has a Veterans Memorial. And they're sponsored by lots of different groups, lots of different... Um, People decide that they want to build one. They're, they're, some are parks, some are just little walls, some are much more than that. But we go, and of course, Forrest gets a good walk in, so that's always a good thing, time for me to exercise and train Forrest in public. But also for us to reflect and remember that the veterans that are these memorialized in, in these veterans memorials really that's the freedom that we have that, that someone, someone sacrificed for us. This is just a minimal, a minimal thing that we can do to help and, and, and continue to raise awareness for them. And so we kind of take it as that reflection of, of, of what we're doing in the service that we can do for others. And, and it's fun. It's, it's really interesting to see there's, amazing. Some of them have amazing sculptures or just beautiful, beautiful parks that are landscaped so wonderfully. And someone put a lot of thought and effort into that. And so, like I said, it really helps us to reflect on that.
0: That's fascinating.
2: That's absolutely wonderful. And I'm sure, like you said, forest
1: benefits just as much as you and your family. And I love that idea of uh, bringing your kids and your husband along so it can sure. be a bit of a family event and educating and, and that sacrifice that was made by our veterans and to respect and and give them a moment. And I think that's wonderful. And it's a great um, relationship that we've built with the Gary Sinise Foundation. And I think it's absolutely wonderful, your personal um, impact that you're having on this relationship with Forrest. And Forrest is a, a male yellow lab. Is he a full... He's a full lab. A full yes. lab. Okay. Um,
2: we of of all the dogs we've raised, I would say that um yellow labs happened male yellow labs happen to be my favorite. <laughs> Funny that I got forest because we were deciding on, you know, the puppy department had a lot of um we had to think about okay, we need razors for this project, we need puppies, we need to assign puppies. That's part of our job and part of what we do. And in the litter, um, they wanted one dog that was black and one dog that was yellow, and there was only one male yellow lab. Oh my <laughs> and, goodness! Um, of course, everybody knows that male yellow labs are are kind of my favorite, and that's <laughs> um, the majority of the dogs we've had have been male yellow labs. And so, when I I said, you know, of course, I I immediately said as soon as this opportunity came about, I said I want to do this. I absolutely sign me up. I will fill out an application today. I because I raised. Ten puppies, and I thought ten—you're done, right? Ten—it's a nice <laughs> wow. round
1: yeah, cap number. It. Ten.
2: <laughs> let's just go. Okay, we've done our service to leader dog. But then when you read about the the Gary Sinise mission, it actually says we can never do enough, but we can always do a little more. Um, so this is my little more. Mm-hmm. Uh, but now I'm at eleven, and I'm like, should I go for fifteen? <laughs> yeah. yeah, for sure. <laughs> <laughs> like, like eleven doesn't seem like a right number yeah. either. So likely we'll be back at it. And most of our razors do come back for a second puppy. I actually looked up some statistics. Yeah. And um, more than in this past year, it's the rate of return razors filling out applications to come back to us is greater than 60%. Wow. wow. So in the past couple of years, even through the pandemic, that number was greater than 50 for the most part of the year, that if you do it once, you're going to be addicted to that service to others. Mm -hmm. And you're going to have that feeling that I have every day when I go to work, that you're going to have that feeling and you're going to want to do it again and again and again. That is amazing to hear
0: that so many people come back and raise another puppy and I'm sure they get so used to having a puppy in their home. So it's, you know, it's not a big change. They're like, oh, I can do it again. I can do it again.
2: Once you do it once, you figure out what that you can do it. Yeah. I think that's the first step is filling out that application on our website, and just going to that through that application process and saying, "Okay, I'm I'm ready. I'm I can commit to this." And once you do it, once you oh yeah, that's what people do. They go, "Okay, I'm ready." Even if they do it when they're a young growing family like my boys, my hope is that they will grow up, have their own families, and raise a puppy for us. So Laura, how what was it like? Because every pet puppy makes it. So how do you keep the puppy raiser wanting to come back and get in a dog, because who knows, their dog may not have made it this time, but the next one could. So how do you keep them energized to keep doing this? Well, one of the things that I try to kind of let puppy raisers know all the time is that they're not measured on a level of success of whether their dog graduates. So they're... Uh, Every dog is important to our mission, whether they become pets and career change dogs or they become in another part of a career. So say they go to an alternative career like ED Canine or the Canine Advocacy Program. So even though they might go into those, that's still a need that there is. And even if your dog goes, maybe even goes back to you, you, you can definitely do this project again. And I think that our raisers understand that, that... You know, we can't make a dog be a leader dog. Nobody can do that. No puppy raiser can say, this is your mission and you are going to be a dog because the dog makes their choice. So once you realize that the the choice isn't really you do the best that you can as a puppy raiser. You you bring us back to leader dog, a dog that's open to learning and that, that has the the skills to learn the, the guide skills that we're asking. And that's all we really ask of our puppy raisers, that they're well taken care of, that the dog is, like I said, their mind and brain is open to learning, that they understand positive reinforcement training. And if you've done that, you've done a, a great job and that's a su- level of success. And so that's pretty much how we, we relay that to our puppy raisers, that you're not a failure if your dog doesn't go on to become a leader dog. That has nothing to do with your level of failure. Um, and that, we, that every dog you raise for us is a success because if we don't have that number of dogs we can't serve a certain number of clients and that's really the important part. So we know, right, we know that there are going to some that don't make it. I've raised dogs that that have been uh, career change. They've gone on to be pets or they've gone on to alternative service careers and it's sad. I'm uh, because I I focused on the mission of leader dog and that's really why I raised my puppy, but that doesn't mean that they were in any way a failure. They became someone's pet or someone advocates for leader dog by saying, I don't know how many people I meet in public that will say to me, I have a career change dog. That's (laughs) so great. Mm -hmm. And so they can contribute. They just contribute to our mission in a different way. It's, it's not a failure.
0: Yes. And I think that's amazing. Um, to point out career change, um, because some of them do actually go on to different careers as, you know, therapy type dogs or um, I, that sort of thing, or their their career is to be a pet. That's Absolutely. what they were meant to be. And I think that's amazing to say, see. And Laura, you have a family. So... I know some people probably are thinking, well, I, you know, my kids are in all these activities or I work a full-time job and then I have to run, you know, my daughter to ballet, my son to, you know, soccer, whatever it may be. Um, Kind of what would you say to someone who, you know, is thinking about doing this, but thinks, oh man, I have so much going on. You do this with the family. So,
2: yeah, so I have three teenagers and um, we basically how I look at it is that we incorporate the dog and the puppy into our lifestyle. So I think that from from my own perspective, that um, I go to swim meets, all the time. <laughs> and the puppy just comes with. Um, he goes with me to pick them up from school. He goes with me um, to things like a podcast for work. Yes. <laughs> um, he, he joins me in things that I'm normally doing, and I incorporate him. And I know that where I'm going and a lot of the places that I go and the activities that I participate in are are welcoming of him and almost expect now, um, because I've been doing this for a while that my school embraces forest and embraces the mission of leader dog. So they're always welcomed. He's always welcomed there at parent teacher conferences or whatever. If it's a good training opportunity, I will bring him. If it's not a good training opportunity, let's say it's going to be the state swim meet coming up in March and, and, um, I probably won't take him because I'm going to want to focus on what's going on and be present for my son at that time. But he can stay home, and that's a good opportunity for him to do that. So they don't have to go everywhere. Mm -hmm. But Mm -hmm. if you just kind of incorporate them and you're like, okay, okay, where can I take him? Where am I going? I'm going to work. Okay, is it okay with my employer that I bring the dog? Obviously, leader dog, he comes with me to leader dog, (laughs) hangs out in my office when I'm in the office, but he also goes different places with me work-wise as well. He's a wonderful traveler. That's a great skill for a future leader dog to have is that he knows how to travel in the car. He knows how to go somewhere else with me. And, um, I just incorporate that into our lifestyle. My kids are big helpers now that they're older. When we started raising, my youngest was five. So, um, he didn't (laughs) lot. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, now, though, he can take the dogs out or he can walk the dog or he can do things that are, um, you know, a little bit higher level. They all know how to care. And, and my husband has embraced it, which is the, the funnest part about it for me, is that my husband, who is not into any of this, he didn't even really, yes, he liked dogs, but you know, not on a training level. And I'll hear him like talk to someone else about Leader Dog or talk about, you know, say, now, Laura, was that very positive what you're saying about him? Because <laughs> that's not what we do. We, yeah. we have a different mindset. And so he, and he helps and supports the project 100%. He's behind me in doing this. And so are the kids. And we couldn't do it if we weren't, a, a, you know, that have that family support because that's really important. Your whole family has to be on board. You can 100% do it. If you're a college student, you can raise a puppy. If you are retired, you can raise a puppy. If you are single, you can raise a puppy. If you're married, you can raise a puppy. All of those different people come together as a group and and support and help you and build you up. So it's like a big family within our own little family.
0: Yes. And um, I know we there's a private Facebook page for them that they can chat with each other and share pictures. I... I'm always looking at that page for cute pictures or seeing their training pictures. It's really cool. So there is so much support. And I know if someone's, you know, wanting to do this, but they're nervous on, can I ask my work? Can I ask, how do I ask these places to bring in the dog? Is there, you know, do you walk them through how to do that?
2: Absolutely. And every single um, puppy raiser is assigned to a puppy raiser group that has what we call a volunteer puppy counselor. And that volunteer puppy counselor is a volunteer that's assigned to you that gives you that help and support of your group. So you're assigned to a group based on your geographical area. So in the metro Detroit area, obviously, we have lots of groups, but we have groups as far away um, as Tennessee and Chicago, there's groups. So you don't have to necessarily live around here to raise a puppy. You can live anywhere in the United States and do this project. But that puppy counselor is kind of your person. They're your go-to, They're experience. They know what they're doing. They know how to help and support you. But not only the puppy counselor, the we've got, like you said, the Facebook page. We have a puppy raiser manual. We have videos. We have all kinds of other things that we have. Um, and... We're ready to help and support you in that way. But additionally, um, from kind of my perspective as well, is that you have a puppy development coordinator assigned to you also. So I have plenty of um, puppy raisers that come and see me and um, they know exactly that they can call me at any time and I'm going to help them walk them through those problems. So you're part of a team,
1: too. Like, you are not the only uh, puppy coordinator at Leader LeaderDog, so you have a team. And you also help... Uh, um, the prison programs, right? Do you want to tell us a little bit about that? Oh wow, yes. I, I know do. we have. There's so much we could really there's talk s- about here. S- so much. <laughs> yes. um,
2: being a puppy development coordinator, I didn't realize until people ask you about it how how much Im- involved there is. Mm-hmm. But yes, I have a team of people. There are four puppy development coordinators plus an admin, and of course, our someone who supervises our department. So we have a team of people, and yes, we raise dogs. Leader dog has about. Right now, oh gosh, I couldn't. Uh, about eighty puppies being raised, just a little bit more than that, anywhere between eighty and hundred puppies being raised in correctional facilities, and really that part of puppy raising. And I, I didn't, I didn't mention it when I said you can also be an inmate and raise puppies. <laughs> yeah. Um, because we have an inmate raising program, and those those guys do such an amazing job, and it's an amazing. Part of their experience that they can do this and give back to someone. Again, it's helping someone. It's serving someone else when you may have done something to harm someone. Mm-hmm. And so there is a, uh, I believe it is they are thirty percent less likely to um, reoffend once they're released from uh, from jail. And so when you think about it, these. These inmates in in a lot of our correctional facilities are going to be released at some point. They're Mm -hmm. going to be your friend. They're going to be your neighbor. They're going to be someone who's living in your community. And why not give them that opportunity to enhance their life and give them a life skill for when they are released? And so I go to correctional facilities. I visit three different ones. My, my um, team members also visit correctional facilities. I visit three different correctional facilities on a monthly basis and teach a class uh, to the inmates on, on puppy raising and how, how the, what skills they need to build. And they're amazing. They, mm-hmm. they have the time and, and that gift of, of being able to handle the dogs, and they do a great job. And the dogs are quite
1: successful coming out of those programs. There's a lot of consistency yeah. within that environment.
2: It's almost like a small um, people say, Well, how do they get out in public if, if they're incarcerated? It's kind of like a little small city. Yeah. I mean, there's lots of things going on. There's lots of, of um there's not a lot of, of traffic per se, but there are things like like gators that would go around or um, they're their mess hall, their kind of their, Mm -hmm. their eating area as kind of like a restaurant. And, you know, so they do get those experiences and, um, the dogs definitely do, definitely do well. And, and those guys miss them just as much as we do. They, it's hard for them to give them up too. Yeah. (laughs) Um, but again, they're, they're thinking about serving others.
1: Yeah. And that unconditional love that they're giving and getting in return, Absolutely. Um, Goes a long way. I think that program is absolutely incredible and I always love learning about it. Um, But I want to thank you, Laura, for taking the time today to speak with us and share all of your knowledge and experience. We really appreciate it. And thank you to our listeners for listening to the Taking the Lead podcast. I'm Leslie Hoskins. I hope you enjoyed today's episode and please join us next week as we continue to dive into the world of blindness.
0: Yes, and if you'd like to learn more about applying for free services at LeaderDog, or becoming a puppy raiser, you can head to leaderdog.org or call us at 888 777 5332. And don't forget, you can reach us at takingthelead at leaderdog.org with any questions or ideas. If you like today's podcast, make sure to hit subscribe and check us out wherever podcast stream. This season of the Taking the Lead podcast is brought to you by a longtime supporter of Leader Dog, the Mary P. Dolciani Halloran Foundation. As you may know, generous donors like this one make it possible to achieve our mission. The Mary P. Dolciani Halloran Foundation supports the study of mathematics and mathematics education. For more
1: information about our generous sponsor, visit their website at www.dolcianihalloranfoundation.org.